on that note, um, being able to baptize people who now have kids, it's all sort of working out in my own mind. I realized just in the last couple months that um, I'm 20 years in to being a preacher. I, I had my first church job in September of 1999. <laughs> I was really young, but still, <laughs> I've been doing this for 20 years. And I was thinking about all the things that change in 20 years, you know, how much things can change in 20 years. Like your hair can change drastically. It's like overnight, it feels like, but you move jobs, you, you move your home, you lose people. In 20 years, a lot of things can happen. But what I realized, just being nostalgic the last little bit, looking back over 20 years of preaching, I realized that the sermons that I'm preaching now are really not that much different from what I was doing when I was 19 years old. The reason is I still do the same thing. I open up this book every time and tell about some great thing that God has done or some, some part of the greatness of God. Tell some story of someone uh, who is a part of our family as the people of God, that God has worked in their lives. I just read it to you. And then we say, or I say, and God will also do that for you. It's pretty simple. You know, it's like, tell the, I, I, I come in here excited <laughs> most Sundays, like, check this out. You won't believe this. And God will also do that for you. I was trying to think, like, how many times have I preached on Abraham and Sarah, this foundational couple, you know, uh, over 20 years, this old couple, they thought life had passed them by, and then God gave them a dream, and God made them laugh through a little baby, a little baby boy, and God gave them a legacy and a promise that they would have never seen coming those years uh, walking through the wilderness. We read a story like that, and I say, and God will also do that for you. They had a son. Their son's name was Isaac, which means he laughs because they laughed when they, when they had him because they were so old. And they're like, I can't believe this dream. So Isaac, which means he laughs, married a lady named Rebecca. And they had two sons, two boys. They were twins. And they came out fighting. They came out pulling at each other. And, and they tricked each other. And they fought with each other. One of the twin boys' name was Jacob, which means deceiver, to which I always say, thank you, mom and dad. Uh, you know, <laughs> and Jacob and Esau wrestled with each other and fought with each other. And they felt like they had this broken family. They felt like this had this just disintegrated family. But all along, God was still working his promise. And one day, those two boys, when they were grown men, uh, their relationship was restored out in the middle of the wilderness in the same place that their grandfather Abraham walked around. And we read that and I say, God will also do that for you. Jacob had a son named Joseph. He had a bunch of them, but his youngest son, Joseph, or one of his younger sons, Joseph, had this dream as a, as a boy, and he told his brothers, and they thought he was a fool, and they were so jealous of him that they threw him in a hole in the ground. He was sold into slavery. He ended up imprisoned, and then uh, he was pulled out of prison by God and lifted up to this high position as an Egyptian official, second in command to the Pharaoh, and his brothers came back to him, groveling for food in the midst of a famine, and Joseph had his opportunity to exact revenge. <laughs> to kill his brothers, and instead, Joseph showed mercy, and God will also do that for you. I'm just not tired of the stories. You know, 20 years in, I'm still captivated by these folks. Uh, I look back, I've preached uh, 12 sermons on Nehemiah. Nehemiah is this guy who just grabbed a hold of my heart when we started this church. Nehemiah had a heartbreak. He hit the ground in tears. God gave him a dream for a city and for a people and for the restoration of the worship of God in a, in a place. And we've told that story over and over and over. And the reason is because I say, God will also do that with us. Last year, I preached my first sermon on Gideon. I'm like, how did I not get to Gideon? But there he was. And I'd never realized the story. Gideon's down in a hole in the ground himself. And the Lord says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Y'all remember that? And we said, and God will say that to us. 
Two months ago, I preached on Esther. 20 years in, I'd never preached on Esther. How does that happen? I was like, oh my gosh, Esther, remember like our brains are just like exploding with the story of an orphan girl, an exile girl who was brought into the courts of the king, but not in the way that we would have hoped, really just for her body and just for her looks and just for what she could do for the king. But we realized through the power of God that she had risen to that place for such a time as this. And this girl began to find her voice and this girl began to find her courage and she began to speak out against injustices. And we said, God will also do that with us. I've done 20 Christmases, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men. We got, it's coming up in a couple of weeks, Advent. And guess what we're gonna talk about? Anybody wanna guess? Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men. And you guys better be on the edge of your seats. I'm gonna preach the same sermons I've preached for the last decade. And you're gonna love it because it's the best story ever unsuspecting group of people, rich and poor, outcast and those who are already in. But for all of them, they're in need of a savior and God sends a baby to be the savior and God will also do that for you. And then Easter, I've had my try at a few of those over the years. The baby, the same one the wise men visited with the gifts for a king, is lifted up as the Messiah, but he rides into Jerusalem not as a conquering Lord, not as a military general, but as a humble servant on a donkey. And then the same ones who are crying, you're the king, save us, were crying crucify at the end of the week and Jesus goes to the cross and he dies and he's put into a grave, his body dead. But God, through the power of his spirit, rolls the stone away and Jesus who was dead is alive. And I get to say on Easter, and guess what? If you came here today feeling as dead as a cold, dead body in an empty tomb, guess what? God raised Jesus from the dead and God will also do that for you. And so we've been studying 2 Corinthians chapter nine. You know, we've been reading through it, this uh, section of verses for the last two weeks that says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. So you decide in your mind what you will give, not under compulsion or with, uh, with a reluctant heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Y'all nod like we've been talking about that, right? Well, right after that, in verse 10, it says this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You can see there what caught my attention as I was reading this. Paul, who's their preacher to the church in Corinth, is doing that same old thing. He's saying, I'm telling you about the seed. I'm telling you about the sower. And he who gives seed to the sower will also give you seed. So if you know what a preacher is doing, you know that he or she is saying something good right here. What is this will also? He's saying, God who gives seed to the sower will also give us seeds. And I'm like, yay, that's awesome. Why is that good news? <laughs> Why do I need seeds, right? What's the good news about seeds? Well, here's what I know about seeds. Seeds are sown into the earth. Jesus says one time seeds have to actually die in a sense before they can come to life. And we all love harvest, but there's no harvest without the seeds, and so the way that God is going to increase the amount of harvest in your life is by giving you more seeds. The way that God is going to increase the amount of harvest in your life is by giving you more seeds. So if you want to see more harvest, if that's captivated your heart, I want to, I want to sow generously. I want to, I want to reap generously. If you want to see harvest, you don't start asking for a bigger tractor. You start asking for more seeds. 
You start asking for God to, to give you more of that which can go into the ground. God's the one who gives the seeds to the sower and God will also do that for you. So the other thing that I noticed, I uh, appreciate y'all being on this journey with me. The other thing I noticed in 20 years of preaching is yes, I tell the same biblical stories over and over, but this will really surprise you. I also tell the same stories from my own life over and over and over. And I look back and there's this one story. I've told it once a year since we started Providence. So I found 11 times I've preached it. And, um, and I'm gonna tell it to you again for the 12th time. And I hope by the time I'm done, you'll understand why I feel led to tell this story over and over. So this story is about Clayton, okay? I loved Clayton and I was annoyed by Clayton. You ever have anyone in your life that you love and annoys you at the same time? You might not wanna raise the hand because it might be like, you know, right there, right? Well, that was Clayton for me. I met him when I was 22 years old. Rachel and I just bought our first house, this little starter home up on a hill. And uh, in our first month, we got a, it's just the way we roll, uh, we got a puppy, right? And this little beagle puppy. And we put him in the little fence behind our house. And every night when I would come home from work, that beagle puppy would be running around our neighborhood, out in the streets. And I couldn't figure out how he was getting out of my fence. Until I came home early one day and I saw the gate to my fence was propped open. And I went into the backyard and laying in my hammock with my beagle puppy licking his face was Clayton, a 13-year-old boy who lived in the neighborhood. And from that moment on, it felt like, it wasn't really this, but it felt like Clayton was with me all the time. I was working in the backyard, Clayton was with me. If Rachel and I went on a walk to walk the dog, Clayton was walking with us. Remember this time we were watching a movie? Next thing I know, Clayton's sitting on the couch in between me and Rachel. It's not how I pictured my first few months of marriage. And then, um, you know, I realized I love this kid, but he's also just sort of an interruption. And on a Saturday night, about 10 o'clock, Clayton came and rang our doorbell. He woke me up, I was wiping the sleep out of my eyes, the sleep out of my brain, right? Like why is this 13 year old in a big coat shivering now on my front step? He wouldn't step any farther than the welcome mat of my house. I could tell that something was wrong. I was a youth pastor at the time. I was with 13 year olds all the time. I knew something was wrong. I asked him some questions. I don't even remember what he said. I remember I prayed with him. And then I told him, I said, Clayton, here's what I want you to do. Go home, something's not right. Wake up your dad, tell him what's going on but I did not walk Clayton home and I did not call his dad. I went back to bed. And sometime that night after he left my house a couple of streets down in our neighborhood, Clayton committed suicide. And this darkness covered me that I had never felt before. Like I'd been sad before, but I didn't know deep punishing regret, shame, this kind of sadness that just hovers over you. I remember laying in bed that first night. I didn't sleep at all, at all. I remember laying there thinking, maybe when the sun comes through the window, I'll feel better. I just thought that maybe I'm just waiting for the sun to come up. And the sun came up and I didn't feel any better. And so I stayed in that place. I lived there, deep punishing regret, shame, sadness. And I prayed this prayer. You shouldn't pray this prayer, but I'm being honest with you. The prayer I prayed to God, I was a seminary student. And I said, God, I know that you wanted to do something with my life. And I know now that I've squandered it. I just said that over and over. It's not a great thing to say over and over, but that's the, the place I was at. So I'll make a, a long story short and say that the day that Clayton died was February the 23rd, 2003. One year later to the day, February 23rd, 2004, I stayed up all night again, but for a different reason. That morning, my first daughter, Mary, was born. One year to the day 
of losing Clayton. And I don't think that Mary replaced Clayton. It, didn't, it wasn't like Mary pushed the sadness out. In fact, I still carry the sadness. But I did feel like, now that I'm looking back on it, I do feel like that day was a way of God saying to me, hey, Jacob, you know all those sermons you preach? You know all those stories you tell over and over? You know how good you think you are at it? Telling stories of brokenness and then restoration of despair and then hope of almost giving up and then not giving up. Stories of absolute death and then life. I felt God saying to me, you know those, those stories you preach? I will also do that for you. I will also do that for you, Jacob. These aren't just stories for you to tell. This is a, an existence that I want you to live in. You see, God did not give me a great harvest in the death and the loss, but what God did give me were seeds. Things that, that I could sow back into my life and my fields. My tears are my seeds. My brokenness, they're my seeds. My stories, they're my seeds. That's why I keep telling them, I keep pouring them out. My experience is not something that God is going to waste, but something that if I am willing to be generous with and pour it out, that maybe there could be a harvest through God's spirit. And that's why I tell this story over and over again, because God will also do that for you. Every time I tell it, specifically about suicide, every time I tell it, it's already happened today more than once. Someone who's going through that in their own family, in their own life, will come to me and say something. And, I, and so I'm going to keep telling the stories because I want you to know if you're here today that God pulled me out of the pit and God will also do that for you. There are folks in this room, they've already talked to me today, who are thinking uh, suicidal thoughts in their mind, who are in the midst of the darkness, who are in the pit, who are in this place where they, the sun coming up makes no difference. And I want them to know that they are in a community of people for whom God has rescued and God will also do that for you. You see, God does love a cheerful giver. It's true. God is able to bless you abundantly in all things at all times, having all that you need. But the harvest, guys, there is no harvest unless there are seeds. And God is the one who gives the seeds and God will also give you seeds in your life. The loss, the death, the sacrifice, all of those things can be things we grip tightly or they can be things that we pour out. The reason this is so important, I think two reasons. Um, the first is this, if we're not careful, we can try to skip the seed stage. And what I mean is I think there's a lot of us who are sort of in a seed stage right now. We're like, I got all this stuff, but the, the soil's not even tilled up, right? You're talking about a harvest? I don't even have a tractor, right? How many months is it gonna take for even a sprout to grow? And if we're not careful, we'll try to skip it. You can't, but you try. You try to jump out, you try to ignore it, you try to hold on. And so some of you, I want you to know, if you're not careful, you'll try to skip the seed stage. And the second thing is this, if we're not careful, we'll get grumpy. We'll just get grumpy. We'll be like, oh, I got all these seeds, all this stuff, all this junk that's happened in my life, and there's no way it could ever make a difference. And we get, we get grumpy, we get reluctant, even bitter, sometimes mean. If we're not careful in the seed stage, we'll just get grumpy. Like some of you right now, you're going, you're going through something with a kid, like a major thing with a kid. It's the seed stage. It's really important. There's not going to be anything that's going to grow for a long time. 
but you have to keep pouring yourself out into it. Keep pouring your tears. Keep sowing your tears. Keep sowing your prayers. Keep going at it. Dads, don't check out. Don't check out in this time. We're tempted to. We're tempted to to just cut out, but that's not the deal. You have your story. You have your experience. Pour into your son. Hang in there. Sit down next to your daughter. You know, don't, don't, don't go away. Stay in there. This is the seed stage. It's important. Some of us in our community, we're in the, in, in the midst of trying to make it through uh, addiction. We have many here in, in, a, in the recovery community. That is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment seed stage, right? And there will be so many times that you'll be tempted to just throw in the towel because it's so hard. And I would just say to you, hang in there. You know, don't, don't get grumpy. <laughs> you know, don't get bitter. God's walking with you through this. God's the one who is there in the midst of all the stages of harvest. Some of you are in a mess in your marriage. I know that. Thank you for honoring us and talking about that. You're in the midst of a mess in your marriage, and you will want to check out, give up, throw in the towel. But don't. I I invite you to, to keep sowing seeds. Don't get mean right now. Don't get mean. Instead, ask, ask God uh, through your own tears what, what God could do. Through your own prayers, what God can do. In Psalm 126, it says, those who go out sowing with tears will come back with shouts of joy. And so you have to, we have to believe that. If not, we're just telling bedtime stories. I did not give my life to tell fanciful stories over and over again. I believe that these stories hold the truth that all point to Jesus. And that in the telling of these stories, people actually get saved that people actually get saved from all manner of things. So we're not, we're not checking a box to be here today. We're hearing the, the same stories over and over because they hold within them the power of God. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The only way that the harvest can be increased is for the amount of seeds to be increased. And so those things that you're holding on to are important. Your experience, your story, those are your seeds. Your tears are your seeds, your brokenness. God will not waste them. We don't believe that God would cause that kind of tragedy like we have experienced in our life, but God will not waste it. And so we sow it. We sow it into our lives. And so in the name of Jesus, I say to you today, don't give up. Hang in there. Right? Keep sowing the seeds. God will not waste it. God, um, God's done all these things that we talk about, and God will also do that for you. Abraham and Sarah, these old people, they thought the dream had passed them by. Some of you are here in the room today. You're old. I can see it. Um, <laughs> that does not mean that God will not make you laugh. It does not mean God will not make you dream. God, will get, God gave a legacy to Abraham and Sarah, and God will also do that for you. Those two brothers that were fighting, God restored them out in the middle of the wilderness. Their hearts had been broken the whole time. They'd faked it. They'd lived their lives. They created their families. They'd made their businesses, Jacob and Esau, but they were longing to be restored, and God did that, and God will also do that for you. Some of you haven't talked to your brother in a long time. Sow some seeds. Don't give up. 
Joseph, this dreamer, right? He could have exacted revenge on his brothers, but instead he showed mercy. God will also do that for you. I love Nehemiah. I'm gonna keep, who knows? I might have another Nehemiah sermon series coming up. It'll sound just like the one that came before and you're gonna love it because it's about a guy who had a dream for a city, who saw the condition of his city, who was not content to just be the cupbearer to the king and have it all, everything taken care of him, to be up in a nice building on a hill. He saw the condition of his neighbors. He saw the condition of his family, the condition of his people, and it put him on the ground in tears. And he asked God to give him all that he would need to rebuild. And Nehemiah went in the night and he surveyed the city and he rebuilt the walls and he called the people of Zion back and they celebrated and there was food back in the storehouses again. And God saved the city and God will also do that for us. And so we give out bags and we bring back food because we want to see every person in Wilson County fed. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, Jacob, I can't believe you guys say that at your church. You know that you're just destined to fail, right? And I say, yeah, I know, but you got to understand the power of God that we believe in. And so we're just going to keep saying it, that we want to see everyone fed in this community. We want to see everyone free from addiction. We want to see every child and every wife safe from domestic violence and from trafficking and from child abuse. And we want to see every student ready to live God's dream, right? This is, this is our thing because we don't think this is just a bedtime story, that it's the word of God and God will also do that with us. If you're in a pit today, hear this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God will also say that to you. Esther's in the room. I see you. I see you, young women. I see you, girls. You you may hear in the culture that there's nothing out there for you, that you won't make it, and you won't make the same pay scale, and you can't do those things, or you can't preach. Well, you're a part of a community that doesn't believe that to be true. We're preaching that to the girls in Providence Kids, that God has a dream for them, that God will use them, that he could raise them up to the highest places of leadership in a nation. And that they could be the ones to speak out against injustices. And God would give them the favor in that moment for such a time as this. Are y'all going to preach that to my daughters? Are we going to preach that to our daughters? (laughs) Of course we are. It's our story. God will also do that for them. And we'll keep saying over and over about this one who was born in a manger. God in flesh who came to where we are and then grew to be a man and went to the cross and died for our sins, was put in the grave for three days, but he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead. And so you know what? You may have come in here today feeling like a, a cold, dead body in an empty grave, but God raised Jesus from the dead, and God will also do that for you. So if you came in here today and your heart was asleep, your heart was dead, you had no hope, we believe that the same spirit that conquered sin and death on the cross for those who confess Jesus now lives in you. So God will also do that for you. So leave this place, even if you sow some tears in our time of worship, let's leave this place with shouts of joy because we're the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us such a hope. Thank you for giving us such uh, a power through Jesus. And we come to communion now as our way of receiving him receiving bread, receiving juice as the body and blood of Christ given for us. Let those of us who are sowing in tears right now know that there is a harvest to come where we will reap with shouts of joy. In Jesus' name, amen.